Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Jamie wins Saturday. Oh no, 100% mate, all the way. Just uh, pushing, there's no more left anyway. Frosty gets the last laugh. Um, the ones you earn are the ones you remember. But Courtney has the lead going into the long break. Pretty happy with that and take that points gap that we've got into the, into the break. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Jamie Winkup looked dominant in the first race at Townsville last weekend, taking the victory ahead of Garth Tander and Frosty Winterbottom, although a fluff start was the only blot on his copybook. Clearly a big day. We, we, we nailed the setup this morning and uh, the car was great in, in uh, the shootout and then, of course, in the race. And it's up to me to go hard and keep it on the black stuff. And uh, start wasn't the best, my fault. Um, and then coming into the first kink, it had all the ingredients for, for a major shunt. James Courtney limited the damage of colliding into his teammate in the early part of the race, climbing back to fifth position. Getting a championship is all about consistency, I suppose, and it's something that we've been able to do at, at uh, you know, Jim Beam Racing. The guys, like I said, once, when the car's bad, we still managed to drag half a result out of it. Frosty Winterbottom was able to claim the second race win of the season in the Sunday victory at the Townsville 400. That was, yeah, that was one of the best wins. I've had a uh, 12-second gap. They brought a safety car out, and then James was on the tail, and that was a, a pretty hectic last stint. Frosty didn't take the opportunity to have a free kick at Courtney, who'd been outspoken in V8X magazine ahead of the Townsville race. Are you talking about... Is <laughs> <laughs> that you directed at me? Yeah, I don't know. We've got, we've got uh, quite a few trophies from four races, so... Uh... We're happy with how we're going. Courtney, finishing second, consolidated his position at the top of the championship table with his closest rival, Jamie Winkup, who had cut the gap after the Saturday race. With a second today, we're, you know, we're pretty happy with that. If I was going to have to you know, have quite a big lunch to try and get past Mark and the position where, our, where we are in the championship, we didn't really need that. So uh, you know, I was just hoping that Mark would make a mistake and pressured him. Garth Tander had a spin while trying to run down the FPR flyer, which caused Courtney to break heavily, and Craig Lowndes, who was blindsided by the Jim Beam racer, ended up slamming into the back of Courtney, ending his day and capping off a forgettable weekend. Tander acknowledged the luck of being able to escape the incident without a further hit to his points tally. Yeah, look, if we ended up third on the podium after being in the barrier and dumping, I think it was about 15 seconds, um, yeah, it's not a bad day. Jamie Winkup was stolic following a brake line failure that put him off the track. He finished 23rd. So the positions following the Townsville 400 look as follows. James Courtney on 1,947 points. Jamie Winkup on 1,827. Then it's Mark Winterbottom in third on 1,623 points. Shane Van Gisbergen on 1,598 with Garth Tander rounding out the top 
up five on 1509. Craig Lowndes is six on 1479. Lee Holsworth seventh on 1398. Rick Kelly is in eighth position on 1352. Michael Caruso on 1259. And rounding out the top ten, Stephen Johnson, 1151 points. The Fujitsu Series had its first new round winner of the year when Tim Blanchard took the victory. Steve Owen won the first two races of the weekend, but it was Blanchard who avoided the wreck in the third and was able to take the win, which locked up the round. Owen continues to lead the points in the series on 10,028 points. Tim Blanchard now moves up to second. He's two points ahead of Nick Perkett on 752 points. Dave Russell is back there in fourth place on 667, with James Moffat rounding out the top five on 615 points. Rodney Jane, Aaron Russell, Ant Pedersen, Marcus Kanovic and Drew Russell round out the top 10. Now Tim Blanchard has been linked with Paul Morris Motorsports and potentially the Castrol ride. He spoke to us about his hopes of getting a main game drive for the Enduros. Uh, we've been speaking to Paul Morris, fair victory, may have a fair seat and um, yeah so that's probably our most realistic option. And what about his future? When does Blanchard hope to make the step up to the main game full time? I'm only 23 so it's not not a be-all and end-all thing in the main series next year. See, doing another year of Fujitsu series won't hurt, but um, it's something we have to kind of look at our options a bit more later in the year once I feel a bit more comfortable in the car. V8 Supercars were happy with the second Townsville 400. The crowd was within 90% of the inaugural year with 152,074 people across the weekend heading through the gates with a new record crowd for Saturday, which proved the rock and race strategy employed at Townsville is working, which CEO Martin Whitaker has suggested will be the model that they'll take across the ditch as the V8 Supercars events are about to be managing the Hamilton race from 2011. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. The Courtney Johnson incident was one that many were scratching their heads about following the weekend. Steve Chopping, the Chief Steward of the series, explained in this week's White Flag Lap the decision not to dock Courtney any points. That's right, Craig. We took into account a variety of circumstances. After the break, Chris Jewell and Briar Gunther will be along. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. We're joining us this week from V8X Magazine and, of course, Big Pond Sports. It is Briar Gunther. Good evening, Briar. And also, well, from V8 Supercars, he's the voice of the series, Chris Jewell. Thanks for joining us again. G'day, Craig. G'day, Briar. Certainly. An interesting weekend, to say the least. And uh, I have to say right off the top, Wing Cup wins Saturday and Winner Bottom wins Sunday. Winner Bottom wins the Townsville 400. But, uh, gee, winning a Saturday race gets you absolutely no kudos these days, does it? Chris? No, you certainly... um 
seat at Trophy Day Sunday, regardless of each of the races having equal championship points and there being 26 races in our championship year. Something about the Sunday win and something about the meritorious nature of people turning on and looking at the Sunday night sport. So a lot of people would not even know that Wink Up had won on Saturday and Winterbottom had won on Sunday. They'd think that Winterbottom had won everything. But to my mind, the big winner on the weekend was actually James Courtney because, of course, he just keeps racking up points finishes when he can't win. And Wink Cup doesn't seem to be able to do that for whatever reason. And some of those things are outside of his control. Mm. And Briar, of course, Saturday had the biggest crowd. It was a new record for a Saturday crowd and I don't believe that was just Townsville actually I believe that was a new Saturday record full stop and interestingly enough it is the bigger day on the television in respect to how many hours you have of continuous V8 coverage. Yeah that's right I I can't comment on whether it was a record crowd whatsoever I'm I'm actually not sure of that but they did post it was like 60,700 people walk through the, the gates on Saturday which is just massive uh, but yeah, it seems like, you know, that's the day to head out. That's when the, the fans go out and make sure that they can see the V8s. And if they can't um, catch it at the track, then they watch it on TV. Mm. And so of course. It's a bit unfair in, in that respect, as you were just saying, where the, uh, the winner gets overshadowed by the, the Sunday winner. Mm. And of course, in excess being on the Saturday night certainly uh, would have helped factor into that, uh, that crowd figure, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And it was a great concert too. I went and they were really, really good. Mm. Well, it's it's interesting because after we talk about Wing Cup and Winterbottom having all the victories, we go into the long break and Courtney holds the championship lead. Chris? Yeah, well, he's certainly um, doing a great job. Other than one twenty-first place, which, as you recall, was for a broken rear anti-roll bar blade at Hamilton in the Sunday race, um, James has finished every single race, including that one, of course, in 21st place. And he knows when to come fifth, which is something we hadn't previously seen in his makeup in previous years. Whereas, unfortunately, and conversely, uh, Jamie Wincup, through not always his fault, he's had a couple of mechanical issues and an incident at Winton, also in a Sunday race, he seems to win or bust. But the collective sum total of it is James Courtney's looking very much like. Uh, the championship elect. He's, uh, he's quick when he needs to be quick. He can go racing with the elbows out. Just ask his teammate, Steve Johnson, when he needs to do so. But he, uh, he's assuming that championship lead now by almost the same points margin that he had when we left Winton some you know eight weeks ago. Yet Winkup's won two races since then and Courtney's won none. So it just shows they're the things that champions are normally made of. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, I think James Courtney could be looking like a new V8 Supercar Series champion at the end of the year. But there are a few long-distance races that might get in the way of that one coming to fruition. Hmm. And, Briar, I haven't checked the bookmakers' figures, but I have checked a couple of polls out there, and the polls are certainly tipping Courtney to go on with it. Yeah, well, isn't it so funny? A few races and the whole perception changes. I'm not going to be so quick to say that James is definitely going to clinch the championship this year. I mean, we were only saying that a few rounds ago, and like the last time I was on V8 Insiders, you know, that it looks like Jamie's going to run away with the championship and, you know, no one's going to be able to touch him. But, I mean, look at this, two, two three races later and, and um, James is on top. Um, I also made a, a prediction, which I thought, thought at the time was very accurate, just before the Sunday race, that Jamie would have the championship lead back by the end of the day. So how wrong was I on that? Um, it's just amazing how quickly things turn. And really, V8 supercars, uh, you know, couldn't really ask for it to be any better he- heading into the endurance round. And that nine-week break, break, excuse me, what with the um, the championship now just being so close, I mean, it still really is quite close, 
the um, you know the best possible outcome in terms of having the championship at its its ultimate heading into the endurance season would have been James also having a bad run and it just would have brought both him and Jamie right back. But um, as it is, James really doesn't have too much of a lead and. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that he's definitely in line for the championship. Um, I just think it's way too premature. Mm. Going to put a lot of pressure on their co-drivers over the next couple of meetings, that's for sure, because there's so much to lose if something does go wrong, and obviously a totally different makeup as we head into long-distance races in 2010. So the pleasing thing for DJR, they go very well at Phillip Island and also at Bathurst, and then we've got some soft compound tyre events thereafter, and they're the ones that James Courtney's been untouchable in. So... You could understand if his odds were shortening, but no, I agree with Brian. They're not the absolute shortest, but he'll be pinching himself that he came out of Sunday so well. I think Winkup was on his way to lap the field the way he was going. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was a very interesting, very interesting weekend. And when I thought of the incidents that we saw, Briar, right throughout the whole weekend, there was just, you know, uh, so many things happened and, and so many things just got bigger and bigger as the weekend went on. I, I, I sat back and sort of was debriefing for the show and uh, went, hmm, I've, I haven't even put in there about the D. Alberto incident, which, uh, of course, took a hard-charging uh, gar- uh, Russell Ingle out of the equation. Yeah, that's right, Tony. I think he actually DNF both races uh, over the weekend, and it was just from some bad luck and stuff. Um, on Saturday, he had the uh, the axle rear axle axle failure, and and then of course he got caught up in that real early um, but massive crash with uh, Russell and I think it was Todd from memory. Um, Rick, but yeah, you're Rick right. Kelly. There was yep. Rick. Sorry. So yeah, there was heaps of, of stuff going on, and you're right. We really did only skim over the top of it as well when it came to like the website and things like that because. There was a lot on, although I must say the Saturday race wasn't too exciting. The Sunday race was just massive. And by then you'd had all these little um, sort of hot spots of anger between the drivers and stuff that had been flaring up over the weekend between just different teams and teammates and all that. So the weekend just got really exciting as it, as it kept going. It was great. I think the other thing too is, um, and those sorts of events clearly invite that sort of mid-pack activity and action is they're some of the best pictures we've actually been seeing for a long time based on the directorship and hats off to you know Nathan Prendergast and the guys because you know, they now are always finding the quick guys in qualifying and they're doing very well to find the great mid-pack battles and there'll be those saying that let's just show the leader out there doing nothing because he deserves to be there. I, I don't agree with that one. If there's good midfield backs including battles including five or six cars then people need to see it not just from the point of view of giving those guys the chance to put their sponsors in the limelight, but they genuinely deserve it when some of the action was as frantic as it was, including you know, Jonathan Webb and Jason Richards, Stephen Richards, Alex Davis, and every time we looked at the mid-pack, there were fantastic battles going on, and they were well and truly documented without losing sight of who was winning the race. Mm. And, and the, other, uh, the other incident, of course, is Craig Lowndes. He had a forgettable weekend, and I, I almost forgot to talk about him in this segment. Made two mistakes, didn't he? One in the top ten shootout on Saturday when he was on his way to at least the front row start but wanted first and ended up tenth, as he put it. And then in the race on Sunday, he hit the wall, bent his steering, the car's handling was compromised, allowing Courtney to go by. Courtney hits a brakes to Miss Tander, lounges right behind him, races over again. So two small mistakes effectively ruined his weekend because by starting tenth on Saturday, he got caught up in that dash to turn one. He and Will came, he says they came together, they looked like they were close together as opposed to came together, but he was on the dirty line and the car ended up in the outside wall. So on a weekend that I'm sure Craig Lowndes was looking to potentially figure in the championship proper, uh, he's walked away with barely a handful of points and 
starts to drift out of uh, reckoning now, having not won a race since Barbagallo 2009. Mm. Ray, your thoughts on Lowndes' weekend? Yeah, poor Craig. He can't turn a trick at the moment. Yeah, it was just a, just a bad weekend, and, and it's unfortunate because um, usually in, in AAA, if there is, and it doesn't happen often, but if there is something that goes wrong with one of the cars, there's usually the other driver to step up, and, and they usually end up on the podium if not winning. But, yeah, on the Sunday, um, the podium was, was dry of Tim Vodafone drivers, and, and that was largely to the to the luck, I guess, that, that was imposed on Leon. You're still smiling, though. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. (laughs) Hey, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We've got plenty more, including Gas and Go, when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, it is Chris Jewell and also Briar Gunther. And, uh, well, we need to talk about this. Is it open season on teammates following the decision that, uh, well, you can bump your teammate out the way if he happens to be there, Chris? Yeah, don't be so sure the decision has uh, been made that you can do it, but certainly there was no penalty for what did happen, and I think everybody expected, myself included, that there would have been some form of a penalty handed down after Courtney took out his teammate um, at Turn 2 on the uh, the commencement of Lap 2 of the first race, but clearly it wasn't seen uh, that way by the investigating and prosecuting officer, and not until such time as some of the teams put their hand forward to say that there will be some people disadvantaged as a result of that incident, did it actually even get looked at. So I guess they've set the crossbar now, and if a similar thing does happen in the future, then you know clearly you'll expect a similar result. But um, I can't believe that that sort of consistency will prevail, because it just never does. It's uh, a, a, a plug now for the white flag lap. Steve Chopping, Chief Steward, is on the show, and he's going to explain to us exactly the thinking and the process. So that's one not to be missed. I think every V8 Supercar fan does want to hear that, Briar. But uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if uh, if Jamie Winkup needs a win on the last lap of uh, the Sydney 500 and Craig Lowndes is in his way, do you punt him? Oh, I can't see Jamie punting Craig off. I think, well, I guess firstly you have to isolate the incident that happened on Saturday between um, James and Steve. But, uh, you know, you need your, your teammate more than anything uh, in terms of helping you. And like you just said, if it does come down to the championship, I mean, Lowndes is not stupid. He'd, he'd totally get out of the way. He'd understand, um, you know, that, that Jamie needs, might need those points to win the championship. And, and we've seen in the past, you know, teammates move over and stuff like that. So long as it is a cordial relationship, I mean, if the relationship does deteriorate, why would you want to help that other person? But, I mean, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here. It was a, a one-off, isolated incident, and I don't think James is going to be out to be um, crashing into Junior wherever he sees him in front of him. And I guess it's highlighted, Chris, by the fact that we know that the Courtney-Johnson relationship isn't as amicable as the Davison-Johnson relationship that was there a couple of years ago. There, There is a different dynamic in the team and that has certainly heightened the media's perception 
of what uh, has transpired because it was an accident. He wasn't trying to do it, of course, but uh, it really did have a negative effect on Stephen Johnson. Yeah, you're right. And look, with that greatest respect to Steve, who's a great guy and a very capable racing driver, unfortunately his teammate's doing a lot of winning and getting a lot of limelight. And um, that does create a little bit of professional needle in a team that I guess the father owns, but another investor has, uh, has bought into as well and was one of the catalysts behind James coming across from what was mooted to be a drive at FPR a couple of years ago, as you may recall. So, um, you know, Courtney's doing the winning. The team will be happy about that. The sponsors will be as well. But it's almost impossible to... Com- to create a uh, completely harmonious environment when you've got competitive racing car drivers. And, and as we said before, with um, the battles going to the end, maybe if it was a Lowndes Win Cup battle in the last race of the year and they were both in the championship chase and one took the other one out, then it'd be interesting to see what happened. <laughs> yes. Guys, we should talk about the long break because um, I'm interested, uh, particularly you, Chris, to uh, get your thoughts on uh, this break. Should we have a Fujitsu race during the break and perhaps even a special Fujitsu race which allows main game drivers to also enter on top of the regulars or even a dual driver, a main game and and Fujitsu driver combo race that may or may not be a championship race, but just something to remind people that motor racing does happen in the height of football season. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have at V8 Supercar, and it's uh, been a problem for a long time, and that is the consistency and frequency with which we race in the local community, so to speak. And it's very hard for a lot of people to understand where we are and when we're on, uh, when we're actually sometimes having big breaks, disappearing overseas and doing all sorts of other things. So I concur, it'd be nice to have something on, uh, maybe something you know along the lines of the uh, All-Stars-type races they have in NASCAR, just something to keep the uh, the teams and sponsors in the paper and create some interest and awareness, whether that's a Fujitsu Series round, whether it's a Fujitsu Series round that's uh, got some of the leading co-drivers, hard to know, but I, for one, think that whilst a lot of teams will embrace having an eight-week break, if, in fact, they've got that because they've got a massive amount of work to, to do to the cars before the long-distance races, uh, I just think it's far too long, and everybody's saying to me at Townsville, oh, so what are you doing for the next eight weeks? You're having a holiday, but I think a lot of people don't realise that uh, many of uh, we business operators have other things to do other than what we do at race weekends for V8 Supercars. So it'll be business as usual for me. There'll be no break as far as I'm concerned. And uh, in some ways, I'll miss not having some V8 Supercar action uh, to go and uh, and visit. Having said that, every two weeks is probably getting a bit long in the tooth early in the year as well. Mm. And Briar, of course, Big Pond Sport is going to be pumping out the stories right throughout the off-season. Uh, I'm wondering on your thoughts of the uh, of the long break. Yeah, that's right. There's no rest for the wicked, so we'll still be having stories up every day on the V8 website, so everyone should make sure they keep checking it out because we're not going into hibernation in that respect. Um, You ask if the long break is required. Uh, In one respect, I think it is. I know I need to recharge my batteries, and a lot of the mechanics and things, they just get simply just burnt out. You know, you're you're at the the races, and you might be there till 3 in the morning, and then you jump back on a plane at the end of the weekend, and, and you just bug it, and you do that sort of you know, every couple or few weeks apart, and it just takes its toll. So in that respect, I think it'll be good for them to try and get in some time. And in regards, though, if you say that should there be a Fujitsu series, well, sorry, I should say a Fujitsu series race on its own, I think they've found out in the past um, that they just don't work, the standalone rounds. Um, But as Chris said, something along the lines of something out there doesn't have to be a championship thing, it could be a fun thing. You know, who knows, they could organise, I don't know, something different, maybe even who knows, drag races, something like that. I mean, just something just to keep the V8 supercar 
brand out there because the really sad thing about this nine-week break at the moment with Townsville last, being last weekend is that we finally had the drivers firing up a bit and there was a bit of controversy and it was getting really excited and that's all going to wear off as the nine weeks goes on. You know, It's going to be forgotten about by the time you get to Phillip Island. Um, all those sort of wounds will be mended and um, and I think it was great. You know, The fans are really getting into this, you know, oh, there's all this conflict and stuff at the moment, but heading into Phillip Island, that'll all be forgotten and I think that's a bit sad. Mm. Not if you can help it, I'm sure, Brian. You'll be right. Just keep <laughs> stirring the pot. <laughs> And, and of course, well, perhaps Chris, maybe uh, we need to get together and think about a stadium go kart race with all the V8 supercar drivers. That might uh, help us along. Gas and go time. Brought to you by VNX Magazine and of course the Forex Mega Fan Survey. You can get to it from the Forex Gold V8 website or from V8X. Check out the fan survey today. Twenty minutes, and you can tell the. Uh, well, certainly the powers that be what you think of the sport right now. VRX and Forex Gold Mega Fan Survey are proud sponsors of Gas and Go on the VAD Insiders. And Briar Gunther, when does the Sealy season officially start? Officially, it's about Bathurst time, but um, as we're finding more and more. Unofficially, the silly season can be anywhere right from the start of the year up until the Bathurst time. And in some cases, I have heard of team managers sussing out when other teams will have spots open in terms of in future, so a couple of years down the track. So it's a bit of an open question, but um, yeah, officially I'd have to say Bathurst. All right, Chris, uh, you reckon it's officially started yet? I don't think it ever stops, in all honesty. Such is the uh, level of professionalism and the opportunities now within V8 Supercar as a sexy sport that there's continuous manoeuvring going on, perhaps not for everybody because a lot of people have longer-term contracts, but with only two- and three-year contracts are normally prevalent in the teams that are recruiting and employing drivers as opposed to the teams that effectively are an extension of family businesses. The the manoeuvring never, ever stops. And I know when I was running Brightech Motorsport, we talked to many drivers under contract about opportunities, even while they are in contract if things were working out. So rest assured, the rollout you might not start hearing about until October, even though Stone Brothers Racing secured Shane Van Gisberg and, uh, you know, quite quickly at Hamilton earlier in the year to avoid him being caught up in the silly season. But it just does not stop. It just keeps rolling on and we'll start hearing about the stories from perhaps end of September through to December. But um, it's just a continual politicking and manoeuvring society is V8 Supercar. Mm. Well, Chris, will Tim Blanchard get the uh, tick of approval from Castrol to jump in that Paul Morris motorsport car? Well, he deserves to, doesn't he? Um, you know, great drive last weekend. He's really hardly scratched that car all year and he's running on a reasonably limited budget and uh, he's done everything right. And if they weren't to give him the drive, then I just can't imagine who would be able to stand in if he's not there. He certainly deserves it from my point of view. Bra. Oh, look, yeah, I guess if Castrol are, you know, quite happy to, to use him, then, then that'd be a yes. But as Chris said, you know, he's, he's had some really good results lately. Um, and, and just to clarify, that was in the Fujitsu series, in case you were going, huh? But, um, but yeah, I was speaking to Paul afterwards, and that being Paul Morris, and, and he was just ecstatic with some of the drives that these guys are putting in in the Fujitsu series at the moment, and especially Tim. Yes. It's uh, the Gold Coast 600. Is it really part of the season of endurance, Briar? <laughs> I know we have to sort of say that it is, but I mean, you know, you've always traditionally had your Bathurst and your Solop Island, and considering that the two races uh, will be broken up into, well, there'll be two 300k legs, which makes a total of 600. Sure, it's a long way that they'll be racing over the weekend, but it's 
it's just not one race. It's just, it, to me, it's, it's not part of the season of endurance. Who knows, maybe down the track it, it will get its own sort of gong in there, but um, at the moment I have to say no. Chris? Yeah, I don't think any time a race is uh, two parts or more, it can be actually considered to be an endurance race. It's like having the Daytona 500 in two 250k legs. So from my point of view, I respect the fact that uh, it's a 600k distance they have to travel and it's got its own place in uh, V8 supercar life. But at the end of the day, I just don't look at it like a, an LNH 500 or a super cheap auto Bathurst 1000 as a genuine endurance race. Well, will, will Townsville, Chris, continue to grow or have we seen the novelty wear off after just uh, the two race meetings? Well, I guess if you look at the percentage uh, decrease in people that went through the gate last uh, week, it was marginal compared to many of the other races. Uh, have a look at Queensland Raceway, Winton, Hamilton, etc. They've had massive drop-offs. So obviously there's a no- novelty factor in the first year that we do anything, and it'll be interesting to see what happens at Sydney Olympic Park at the end of the year. But I think for a community that's got you know 200-odd thousand people in it to get... 60,000 people there on Saturday and 150-odd thousand over three days. Yeah, look, that's still a fantastic uh, result and I'd be surprised if it diminishes significantly in the ensuing years and who's not, who knows if the uh, financial situation improves itself as uh, all the uh, forecasters are saying it will, we may well find that we actually get a bigger crowd. But I wasn't surprised to see the numbers, but I still think it was an excellent effort. Mm, it was a 10% drop, Briar. Yeah, it, it really wasn't all that much on the face of things. And as Chris said, 150,000 over three days, is, it's still massive, especially for a regional town. And, you know, there were happy faces. Uh, the addition of the, the concert on Saturday night, which was in excess, you know, that blew a lot of people out of the water. It was, a, it was just great to be able to hang around at the end of the day's racing and, um, you know, just chill and have a few beers. And for some, they had a few too many. But... Um, but yeah, look, I mean, the event I think will keep growing so long as the eight supercars keep value adding to that event. Uh, but it, it doesn't look like the Townsville people are going to get sick of that event anytime soon, that's for sure. Mm. And finally, on Gas and Go, brought to you by the Mega Fan Survey at 4X Gold and V8X. One and a half years on, is the two race event format working, Briar? Oh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, just by trying to split the two days and, and make them standalone events, it is sort of working, but then you've got the traditionalists who always say, oh, no, it's, it's round winds and, and, you know, it's, it's, everything should just carry over into the next day and, and all that sort of thing. So you've got the two arguments going on. Um, I'd, have to say, I'd have to say yes from a personal perspective that it is working. I'm sure improvements could be made. Um, like, I guess one of the, the big anom- anom- anomalies at the moment is the 100k on the race on the Saturday and the 200k race on the Sunday, and yet they're both equal championship points. Now, I know if you have them on the Saturday, um, the drivers might not want to go so hard, um, but I think it, it may need a little bit working on, but hey, you know, people are turning up on the Saturday, they're turning up on the Sunday, they're seeing qualifying, they're seeing a race, what more do they want? Mm. Chris? I think I'd prefer to have uh, two-day events with uh, all of the racing on Sunday at most events. Obviously, some of them it's hard to do, and some of the marquee events like Clipsal 500 work very well over multiple days. But uh, I don't think we've quite got it right, and uh, I think that you know if you get 50,000 there on a Sunday and 45 on a Saturday, you get the same 20-odd thousand core on both days, so it's not like there are going to be any less people there. You'd have less expenses for teams, less expenses for people putting up the facilities, etc., etc. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what the magic formula will be. I don't think it's fundamentally flawed, but I just don't think we've got 
quite got it clicking the way it potentially could click. And until such time as we try something new, it's hard to know. Mm. Well, that is Gas and Go, brought to you by the Forex Gold and V8 Megafan Survey. Check it out online today. Chris Jewell and Briar Gunther, thanks very much for your time. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. And we hope you enjoy the, uh, well, the break from race action, we'll say. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, Craig. I think I'll go into the draw, Simpsons, but anyway. You'll cope, I'm sure. Well, it's uh, the white flag lap up next. As I said, Steve Chopping explains the stewards' decision between the Courtney Johnson love tap. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we catch up with Chief Steward Stephen Chopping as he explains to us, well, what actually happened in the stewards' room for the decision that saw James Courtney not lose any points after punting his teammate out the way. Um, there have been numerous instances in the past where teammates have, uh, well, one teammate has collided with another and the matter hasn't come before us and it's not, not a matter that's raised any concern anywhere. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there'd been basically uh, an accepted practice over time that within a team, uh, provided that no other competitors were uh, uh, disadvantaged or suffered any damage in an incident, that uh, the matter uh, was... Um, basically uh, at an end there and that no further action was needed. In this case, it did come before us. It came before us in a process that we criticised, but nevertheless, we still considered it. And then, having determined that um, uh, the mistake which caused the collision was made by James Courtney, in all the circumstances of the matter, and bearing in mind that um, no other competitor apart from um, uh, Jim Beam Racing, Dick Johnson's team, uh, had uh, uh, suffered any disadvantage, it was uh, determined by us that uh, we would not impose a penalty. But, of course, it does amount to uh, a finding that James uh, Courtney has driven carelessly, and in the event that um, the, um, there are further offences committed by him of this kind in the future, then his record can and will be taken into account. So it's not as though it has no after-effects whatsoever. You said there was a brought to you in a process you don't agree with or you were critical of. What was the process? In the course of the race, the matter was considered and it seemed to us that it was at an end. At the end of the race, we were informed that the IPO was investigating a number of matters. Uh, this wasn't one of those. At a later stage, uh, without there being any formal uh, request by uh, a team member, in, a team involved in an incident, uh, uh, the matter um, was um, uh, commenced by the IPO and uh, proceeded to that stage. So it, um, to a degree, the process by which it arose was uh, very significantly different from the usual process. Is this decision that, you've, uh, that has been the convention really allow it to be a bit of an open season on teammates if, uh, if they're giving you a bit of grief? No, because um, there, of course, has to be a line drawn somewhere. 
In the case of a simple mistake, um, uh, which is uh, one with some degree of carelessness but with no intention or something of that nature, then um, uh, the, it's likely, but each case is judged on its own merits and in its own circumstances, it's likely that there wouldn't be any penalty imposed. But if, for instance, a teammate lined uh, a teammate up like the Senna and Prost situation in the Japanese Grand Prix or something like that, most certainly we would take action and uh, a vastly different result would apply. Mm, well, certainly it's always good to get the clarification from you and uh, we wish you all the best over the mid-season break. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the break, but also looking forward to uh, some hotly contested endurance races in the latter part of the year because, to my mind, the uh, Phillip Island and Bathurst races are really the highlight of our year. Well, then you'll have plenty of work, I've got a feeling, over the course of those two weekends. Thank you, Craig. My thanks there to Stephen Chopping. It's always great to catch up with Stephen. And also to Chris Jewell and Briar Gunther as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.